to Make That Paper, the show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams. And for a modestly priced bottle of scotch to accompany that, your Make That Paper podcast binge party. Yes, on this episode, we'll be having a conversation about a myriad of vehicular vocations, the Producing Pretty Pictures project, and the old dirty DVD description day job. We are your hosts, Jamie Parker Stickle. And Jason Bieber. And on this episode, we are speaking to an incredibly talented and dynamic writer who has written feature films, co-authored the top-selling fantasy comic book series, The Source, and the hit YA graphic novel, Unicorn. He's a story architect for the video game industry, which I think might be the coolest job title I've ever heard. Yes. And he's a professor of screenwriting at the University of California, Riverside. We are so excited to have him here and talk to him about everything he did does for a living but didn't want to do for a career it's the one and only joshua malkin yes we're so excited look at him he's so scared don't worry we're not that bad you're gonna be fine you're gonna be great me jamie it's amazing mr malkin before you were or maybe while you were starting to get in the zone of being able to like write and direct and produce and make things happen for a living yeah you you were doing other stuff for a living and you sent us a few uh, few interesting tidbits that uh maybe we should just just dive right into i want to dive right into one Certainly. right away because i'm super curious if this is even a current job one can have you are a runner and i understand runners to be people who are like taking scripts and running them around town and delivering right. them to people. That is correct. I was I was a runner um, of yet another evaporating <laughs> format. <laughs> I was a film runner. I literally ran between the set and the lab um, with film to be processed from right. set. Um, some case, most of it motion picture film, but some cases still film. It was still being processed in wow. labs. Um, so these are, you know, large format cameras and these labs would stay open 24 hours a day. <laughs> oh my God. Runners would basically just feed them material around the clock in 10 hour shifts. Um, it was an extraordinarily satisfying job as I'm sure you know. <laughs> I was a runner for like a day. No, more than a day, but like a very short period of time, but for somebody who worked in the porn industry. Mm. So my job included personal assistant runner. Like I didn't know sometimes like they would give me the owner's BMW to drive so that I wouldn't have to put miles on my shitty, clunky old Ford Focus. And they were like, no, no, you have to show up in a nice car. And I was like, okay, but is it drugs? Like, what am I running right now? I was like terrified at times. I mean, I will say that was both my least and most favorite part of being a runner was being like the the publicly noticed person who gets to leave the island, you know, yes. and is the island regularly, you know, because like I'd have a list at all times with like, okay, well, Pete and Teamsters wants a pack of Marlboros. Uh, <laughs> and wardrobe. And it's like, wants a pack of condoms. Um, uh, yeah. So you, you, you want, like preempted Postmates. I was, I was, <gasps> I was Postmates and I was Postmates in a, in like pre, 
pre-app era in which there was no mechanism to get paid back. <laughs> like, it's I honestly amazing. think like, some civilian saw yeah. Josh, Joshua run, doing a run for a production thinking, I could use a Joshua in my life. Absolutely, absolutely. Yet another sphere of pre-employment that I did not manage to monetize <laughs> or turn into a cottage industry. <sighs> did anybody ever tip you? Like if you were packing up, picking up like cigarettes and, you know, non-film essential needs, were you tipped? No, no, I was, I was, never, I, was <laughs> I was never, I was never tipped, but there, there is a, an, I'm sure you guys know this, like there's an informal system of favors yes. <laughs> that sort of mm -hmm. exists on, sure. on most sets. So most of the tips that I considered having earned were not being reported when I fell asleep in my car, which was um, my, we all have our shitty employee habit and that was mine, you know, was. Mine too. Um, I, I used to leave the office to go sleep in my car for 20 minutes that turned into 45 oh, yeah, every yeah. afternoon at two. Yeah, no, I, I would just, you know, put on the walk and be like, I'm ready for a run and go to my car and just assume that it would wake me and not all the time would it. And so, you know, another PA would have to come rouse you. And as long as you had done the appropriate amount <laughs> of cigarette fetching and um, ding dong purchasing, there really weren't that many repercussions for for unscheduled um, round the clock naps. So, well, do you um, think they also knew like they're paying you shitty, and it's basic like, oh, these kids like they're not in you know. No, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. There was not accumulated not a huge <laughs> recognition of the crappy pay. Like that was the the unfortunate part of being a runner is this this sort of cemented unwritten understanding that somehow I'm lucky <laughs> to have oh, this yeah. job. Yeah. Um, the baseline understanding that it's that you're going to be paid garbage. Yeah, you know, it's like, but like you're happy to be garbage and ultimately, oh, yeah. yeah. You're in it. You're, there's there's no 30 people how... behind you willing exactly. to get even more garbage than you. Um, do you want us to tap one of those people on the shoulder? And the answer was always yeah. no. No. And, and they do hold that over your head. And also you get, I tell me if I'm wrong, but I always felt like um, in certain jobs where I was parallel to the thing I wanted. So I got comfortable because they didn't have to start something new, but I was like, I'm, I'm touching the thing I want, even though I'm not actually doing the thing I want. I'm close enough at this point where I feel oh, yeah, satisfied. Totally. And Absolutely. That's, that's a sucky place to be because then you've got to finally grow a pair and go, I'm out of here. That is true. That is true. And and ultimately, it's what those who manage sets don't want, right? <laughs> they don't, right. They don't want people like me to look at the ladder. They want me to like get really good at my really small, unique single step on the ladder and stay there forever. Right. And uh, no. <laughs> so, How did you get hard. that job? How did you, were you in college? No, honestly, I got it while I was still in film school. Um, yeah. I, went to, I went to AFI and um, <clears throat> really, 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 really wanted to, a part of my experience in Los Angeles to be um, 
working on set for all the reasons that you just mentioned. Like I wanted the, the mechanics of like movie magic to be highly visible. <laughs> at all. Like I, um, otherwise why live here? And it did, it did sort of become a treadmill in that way. Cause there is an implied permeability between like the different spheres of crew, but it's not really real. Like <laughs> that, that sense that like, you know, like, oh, I'm really interested in the camera department, camera department. And like, there's, there is a pathway here from uh runner to camera assistant. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, anything's possible. Not direct. Listen, <laughs> not a direct Joshua, one. If um, you're cute enough, anything's possible. And therein lies the problem, Jamie. So <laughs> I, <laughs> the, the, the 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 cute ascension up the ladder was not in the cards for me um it was going to be a skill set driven ascension up the ladder so um um you know i i picture young joshua very cute in film school and people going i i am i'm so appreciative of that credit i had really long hair really long greasy hair like i really looked the all black all the time like i i i if there was a wardrobe for art school flunky turned PA, like I invented it. <laughs> it sounds like you knew where to get good weed. I I I knew exactly where to get good weed, and none of those places. Were <laughs> yeah, no, they certainly didn't bring it to the house. Now, um, speaking of, uh, well, not speaking of, but runner. I mean, it's kind of a misnomer because you were driving. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah, and uh, something I just. I find delightful is that you you made mention of the fact that you were not a good driver. Did that ever become a problem? Oh yeah, it was a frequent problem. It was a frequent problem. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, a lot of this, I mean, I think not that running is a big job anymore because there are no, no film to run, but um, I, I so wish that like I had had an iPhone <laughs> and, and geo navigation. Because at the time it was like literally like an open Thomas guide on my lap and like splintered yep. the tension between the road and like, oh shit, the, I got to turn to G4. And, you know, I got into over the course of the 10 years in which I was driving as part of my job for where I probably got into an annual accident. There was like one like, oh crap, this is the reason I'm not going to be driving anymore. It never turned out to be it. But, um, and they were always, <clears throat> no one was ever hurt. Um, Someone else's fault every time? Oh, always my fault. Oh, Hunt really? Every single one of them my fault. So when you're driving for the studio, you're like, and you're having annual accidents, whose insurance does that affect? It's, I think the studio covers you because you're, you're on the job, right? It should, um, it should. And this is where, I mean, a lot has probably changed in the realm of PAing and PAdom. Um, but when I was doing an awful lot of this work, um, I was, as I already mentioned, young, <laughs> like 23, 24, and terrified, terrified, <laughs> terrified of doing bad, not being invited back, developing a bad reputation. Um, and it's like we're the same person. It like fascinating. It haunts, it haunts me to this day how much PTSD I have that I created in myself. I feel like at times, a ton, right? A ton, a ton, and you know, it, it's 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 an environment that just 
by engineering can really kind of destroy a people pleaser. <laughs> like, and yes. um, I was one. After after fielding them for the work, because they're oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, for real. Like, we need people pleasers. We love people pleasers. Yeah. Crush them. Um, but and there, in most of the instances in which I got accidents, the option was to file on the company insurance, but I elected to take it on my personal insurance or, or at the time my parents' insurance uh, because I was so afraid of what the ramifications of an accident. And, you know, in a couple of instances, the threat wasn't just implicit. It was outright like, are you sure you want to <laughs> like go to the UPM and tell them that you backed into oh, so it. you 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 like you let somebody know you let your supervisor know hey hey oh, nice, and i need to file a claim and I your mean, supervisor whose name we won't say here of course not no all, <laughs> all names are obscured to protect the non-innocent but yeah in it there's no hiding it like if you uh, smash a window on a pass van there's no like well i hope nobody notices um they will notice um and part of being a people pleaser also means being perniciously honest. <laughs> and so like I self-reported everything. Um, but yeah, it, there, it was an environment in which taking care of your own mistakes was highly encouraged. I'm curious, how long did you do that for? How long did Running you specifically? Yeah. yeah. Not super long. I mean, it was one of a number of sort of shitty set related jobs that I juggled for a while yeah. uh, and running. Yeah, I see that you you were also a PA, you were also yeah, doing deliveries. And I ultimately moved up that ladder. So I, that was, the, that was the track that I pursued at the beginning of the hustle. <laughs> the, 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 there was this wedge. It was um shitty office job. Am I going to do mm -hmm. a shitty office job? Or am I going to string together enough shitty set work um, that um, <clears throat> I can keep that as an engine going year round? And that was the big question for me because an awful lot of production at the time, and I didn't know much about it, seemed grotesquely seasonal. Like, okay, we're doing all the television pilots right now. And we're doing all the commercials right now. And then there was like this blank spot from like November through February that I didn't yet know how to survive. I'm like, I thought it was great that other people were getting paid enough to like, work seven months out of the year and then the PAs didn't make enough to <laughs> like take four to five months off so how was I going to bridge that gap and so it 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 made PAing as a sustainable reality seem unlikely um so it was like okay I gotta climb that ladder or I can get a shitty desk job and so I experimented with both so I came and left <laughs> like for seven years, I came and left a handful of desk jobs and I came and left a handful of um, essentially freelance production jobs that involve all of which that involve driving, um, despite my shitty driving record. Dude, um, dude, I remember when I got my first, I had my first audition, it was like three weeks after I landed here and I had my Thomas guide and um, it was so effed up and I had to go see, find this little office on La Cienega. And the shitty thing about La Cienega is like you hit a certain road and it changes oh, yeah. numbers and it changes, not just numbers, but it's like the odds are now on the other side. Oh, yeah, no, I, and like, I, I kept calling the agent cause I was late and she's like, she was just 
yelling at me. And I'm like, but I don't understand. Is there a crossroad? And she's like, I don't know. Look at your Thomas guide. I was staring at the Thomas guide. I had no idea. Yeah, no, agreed. No, no third. And like, as somebody new to LA, like just constantly being told like these wholly unreasonable missions. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, hi, we're in Santa Monica and we need you to get to Burbank in 15 minutes. And like not knowing like, oh, that's absurd and unreasonable and never going to happen even if everybody was dead. Um, like, I didn't know. It'd just be like, okay, sure. I'll figure out a way to get to Burbank in 15 minutes. That You wouldn't ask it if that wasn't possible. Um, exactly. And realizing, no, I was never being told <laughs> possible. possible. I was never being given realistic parameters. I was always being given an accidental anxiety attack. Right. And uh, let's be honest you get there and there's nowhere to park because everything it says no PA parking, no actor parking, no audition parking. And so then you have to add another half hour onto your anxiety. Oh, the most, yeah, the most common, because this is all labs in the middle of the night, you know, is that like, you know, you'd get someplace at three in the morning and it's a fortress. And it's like, literally like you have no cell phones because before that you have 15 minutes to like get it to a person who's inside that building, but it's a locked gate. There's no, like, how do we... So the number of fences that I climbed in my desperate attempt to, like, get a can of film to the <laughs> to the door. That's amazing. It's absurd. That's amazing. And I want to say this. So I had a cell phone, but I recognized that so many people over the age of 50 who were, like, in entrenched that you were responsible to did not have cell phones. So you were like... I can't communicate unless it's a young person and it's not a young person. It's a person without. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had a, I had a, I had a pager, which is like another stress magnifier yeah. because all <laughs> you can do is get pages that like yeah. one, nine, one, one, where are you? Where are you? Get here quickly. And you're like, I have no way of responding to this. <laughs> or, or you add to like the stress level you're already feeling of navigating all of this to this additional task of keeping one eye on the side of the road for a payphone. Absolutely. So oh, no. After driving got to be too much for you and you moved on and just life got better. And then you moved into freelance. I'm, all right. You were what working are you freelance. Trying to say? You were working freelance. Well, I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand uh, what right. this job is. You were an advertising photo oh, producer. Yeah. What is that? What does that mean? What is that? Oh, all right. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to, because that's what, this is, this is a, ended up being a really cool job, really longstanding one. Um, Great. But not in any way what I wanted to do. Um, uh, so while I was PAing, doing all this running job, I was starting to meet um, a lot of really high profile commercial still photographers um, oh. um, predominantly that did, um, people in automotive and just realizing that as, um, as a world, <laughs> I preferred it. Um, they, hmm. uh, wasn't, didn't offer any of the stuff that I thought I wanted from being on set. Like there mm -hmm. was none of that, like, Oh, I'm going to see a celebrity or, Oh, I'm going to, um, <clears throat> but there were fewer people, which meant, uh, fewer dramas. Um, the hours were far less absurd. Um, 
and the jobs had like a scope and a trajectory and they didn't move very fast. Like, you know, I had gone from a world in which we were shooting, you know, television shows or low budget features or whatever. And, you know, do, you know, 18 hour days and 27 setups to like a guy whose job was like, I'm going to take three pictures today, <laughs> like three still Amazing. pictures today. And like the, 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 what I thought the rhythm was, was so different. Um, it was so, so different, um, so much more relaxed. And um, it offered something that I had never really had the opportunity to do much as a kid, which was travel. The jobs were all over the world. And so yeah. Ooh, like, as, amazing. A, as a young kind of PA to be like, we're going to Egypt, we're going to Switzerland, we're going to Italy, we're going to Jamaica, we're going to Japan, we're going, we went all over the place. And so those jobs um like over the first couple of years I was running in PA I kind of locked in on as the ones that I would move mountains to get <laughs> you know the ones that I would compete for the ones that I would prioritize even if they didn't weren't as long um which was always kind of scary as a young person to be like I'll take that four-day job until it's kind of that four-month job because that's four days in Prague and I want to go to Prague right, um, right. um <clears throat> but it uh it was a world that just was really well suited to my skill set. And so I went from PA to producer essentially over the course of about a year. Um, like once I was kind of in that year, in that world, um, I kind of climbed up the ranks and became the go-to producer for five or six pretty top tier um, photographers who were bringing in millions of dollars a year each. And it was really great except for the fact that now I was now the first person on speed mm -hmm. dial for all of these extraordinarily tightly wound fetishistic professional photographers who only worked six or seven days out of the year and all the rest of the year just needed insane shit. And like <laughs> being the person that they went to um, like for their insane shit was less fun, um, but was also part of being the first person they'd call when they actually got a job. Um, so I- what, 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 like, what kind of insane shit yeah. are we talking about? I'm curious. I uh, got, wrote letters that got their kids into schools. Oh my God. Um, I planned personal vacations. Um, I uh -huh. sourced extraordinarily exotic and hard to find pet foods. That's you know? the one I'm looking for. Yeah, 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 you know, like, oh my God, Fifi, like mm -hmm. we'll only eat this. And like, they're all sold out in the country. We need it tomorrow. Can you do it? And it'd be like, yeah, probably. And I don't want to, but I know if I do, <laughs> like I'm going to get yeah. your points and you're bidding a big job for Sony. And so there was always that tension between, knowing that doing favors for these people was a way of having uninvited oversight into what they were about to be working on. Um, and so, yeah. So, so what percent of that job, oh, I was gonna, so what, what percent of that job is outside of the job? Like, oh, 80%. 80% okay. of the job. 80% of the job is not working the job. So here's um, my question. <clears throat> Who are you working for? for where is your salary coming from for the whole year are you working for an agency it's a different it's oh there's so many different ways in which this can work um there are so oh, many okay. shell games or at least were um yeah. that would get people like me paid um sometimes um uh the uh 
if the photographer was a big enough deal for a particular client, they would get like a, an off-its overage, right? Like this is kind of our retainer to have you for the year. Okay. Um, and so out of that fee would come the monies that they would pay people like me. They would pay the rent on their studio. They would pay, okay. um, <clears throat> but they just had a this, this, this discretionary pot of money that wasn't theirs um, to spend on this kind of stuff. Um, sometimes it was out of their own pocket. Um, you know, there was an understanding that like almost everybody in, in my universe is, has a day rate and, you know, and so their feeling was as long as your day rate is getting paid, you're mine and you do (laughs) like. You write essays to get my kid into college. Yeah. And so, you know, very often it would just be them paying me out of their pocket, which very rarely was literally out of their pocket. Very often it was them moving, reappropriating money out of some budget and being like, okay, I have $1,500 in post-production today. I'll spend $500 of it on Malkin going Christmas shopping for me because I can't deal with them all. Um, <laughs> and But you are getting like, paid. But, but you're getting paid. More you're like paid. my um, personal assistant job. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, there's a lot of personal assistant um, there's a lot of like getting into the mechanics of people's families that you'd really not want to. Like, I mean, all of these photographers were married and had kids and like, you know, so like over the time of, of working with them, you know, over the, a decade, really, like you're growing up with their, you're watching their kids grow up. You're watching their marriages come together or fall apart. You're watching, you're, you're involved in life to a degree that I never thought <laughs> like, was going to be a part of my professional life at all. Um, and this whole time, are you working on your own career as a screenwriter? Yeah, this whole time. I mean, my, and again, I come back to that, that bifurcation between office job and mm-hmm. whatever. While I was running, I was also temping. And so um, that was the, my other exposure to getting work in LA was just showing up to random office buildings on every, mm-hmm. on every other Monday and being like, where's the filing cabinet? Um, yeah, I so, tempt with Apple One. That was mine too. Uh, uh, we were all Apple One at some yeah. point. All in the one. And, you know, look, everybody has a, like, like a different, a different experience with temping. Um, uh-huh. Like my experiencing with temping was super surreal. It was really weird in LA. Like I felt like everywhere I went, I was offered full-time employment and shackles. Like it was fascinating. Like I, I felt so underqualified and felt so imbr- like you can put a sentence together and you know the alphabet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you got here under your own power on time. Jesus Christ, let's figure out a way to get you an office. And I, I ended up the same. I mean, I, I started as a temp and ended up running a, a fucking accounting firm. Yeah. A big I accounting became, firm. Yeah. Like a hundred people worked for me. I was like, well, I, I don't know anything I went, about this. Same. I got offered yeah. office manager four different times on my third temping day. <laughs> I mean, like, like we have a career track position opening up right down the hall. Do you want it? Like, seriously, like, do I interview for it? It's like, no, you just say yes. And you start tomorrow. And it's like, oh my God, this is so different than PAing, like where I feel that like every slot above me is being guarded. Like every slot above me is like, hey, can I move up? You know, go back to the back of the line. 
And like, and those it, slots suck too. That was the thing. Yeah. Is that like <laughs> in the temping universe, like the the where I'm grateful slash not grateful for um, peeing is it completely ruined and warped my relationship with money <laughs> like yeah like because very often i was getting paid in cash very often i was pocketing per diem and so it's kind of like being a server where there's just like this illusion of instant wealth because you have like lots of cash on you at any given time right mm -hmm. um <clears throat> as opposed to getting my app my first couple apple one paychecks mm -hmm. where i was like oh my god like how this is not going to work. Like, <laughs> like, you know, it's $16 an hour and then they take their cut and then I paid for gas. And then somehow I had to have dry cleaning done in there and to wear a pressed shirt. And like, it, it no longer yeah. made like we got 80 bucks for the day. Um, huh? And <clears throat> that's kept funneling me more and more towards the production side of the business where the the illusion of a higher day rate was so seductive and the illusion of cash on hand was so so seductive um so um and just wow. keeping your money keeping your money yeah keeping your money yeah. i mean just the fact that you don't have to dress like there's no dress code yeah no it was a huge deal it was a huge deal that all my miles were reimbursable like i was literally except when you stop working for apple one i'll say this and you work employed for the company itself you realize what a scam apple one is and oh, how yeah. much they're taking of oh, your rate real? i mean it was horrible to the point where after two months at one place and i left because i had booked a job <clears throat> um i was hosting a show and then that ended up getting canceled and i was like crap i've got to go back to temping Ugh, like it was terrible, but nonetheless, the company I had temped for hired me full time and gave me uh, the ability to go on auditions and work, mm -hmm. you know, lunch hours and things like that. But I made so much more money that it felt worth it. Plus, I got health care, so I didn't have to pay for oh. the doctor anymore and 401k match. And I was like, why wouldn't I do this? And all my actor friends and writer friends were like, because now you're not a writer. Now you're not an actor. And I was like, I've been poor for a long time. I'm hungry and I'm very skinny. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to eat. Because <laughs> there's nothing that feels good about being skinny except that clothes look really good on you. That's true. And that is not, not, not to be knocked. Not to be knocked. Um, no, it's the same. It was the same. I like I felt the, you know, you feel the the drum beat behind that door palpably, right? Like health yeah. insurance, 401k, responsible places. In your career, like for me, it was either that or, you know, try, listen, at the time that I was doing it, it was, um, you can't get into a writer's room if you're an actor. Like these two worlds have to be separate. You can't tell people you're an actor because, yeah. and you're never, and you're going to work 80 hours a week as a writing assistant in a room. And, and then when you, you get staffed, that's it. Like you are not mm -hmm. an actor anymore. Whereas when I went to my job at Nestle, it was like, you're an actor. That's so great. You're a writer. That's so great. Let us support you. What do we need to do to get you where you're going to go? We don't want to lose you, but if we're going to lose you, we want to lose you to the thing that you want to do. So yeah. that, that kind of support they, is. Seductive. They want to be able to say they knew you went. They wanted to say, and there were so many people that came from there that were temps that were are, were famous then. Like mm -hmm. half the cast of Mad TV were temps at um, 
Oh, that's a start. I will say I was not so lucky in that regard. Like both of these were spheres in which I felt like I was very actively denying at least my employers that I wanted to be a writer. Um, You know, in the temp universe, like the second I said, like, but really I just got out of film school and I've been a writer was the moment that their willingness to sort of push me up the ladder died. You could see it in their face. Mm. It's like, it's like, it's like, oh, so you're going to be here a week. Never mind on you. Um, I have a theory about that. And and that is if somebody says they want to be a writer and they see how hard you work at whatever they have you doing, they're like, oh, he's a hard worker. He wants to be a writer. He will be a writer. Oh, and so he, we're going to lose him. When someone comes in and says, I'm going to work really hard for you, but I want to be an actor. They're like, okay, but you're going to be here for a while. <laughs> I, I made it so. Um, and then on set, nobody wanted to hear like, you know, like I'm working on a screenplay. Like who here isn't? Um, right. Like there, there, was, there was no like diagnostic specialness of being like, yeah, but I'm really mm-hmm. a director. Like, Okay. Join screenplay? Really? <laughs> on your very own that you've typed? Um, nobody cares. Wait, do you have contracts? Um, so the answer was, yeah, I was working on my own stuff constantly and just trying to measure like what rubric allowed me to get more of it done. And the one that allowed me to get more of it done was the one in which I was freelancing um, because it was a way for me to utilize my anxiety about not having a next job lined up in a fruitful way um like I could be like oh I don't have a job for a week I can write I can write it's all I can turn that towards writing and that really turned out to be really helpful what I did notice is for the the same person very likely for the very brief time I accepted an office job (laughs) um, like 11 months at a PR firm um I stopped writing during that almost entire window. Um, And I had more opportunities to write like on any given day. Like I came home at the exact same time. Like there was none of that, that unpredictability, but um, it wasn't anybody else saying like, oh, you got an office job. You're not a writer anymore. Something in my head broke. (laughs) And I think I started telling that to myself in a weird way. I, I, um, people like, suck when they do that artists don't live like that you hard. don't want to pay us anything for our work and then you want to disqualify us when we find other means to support ourselves to allow us to be the artists we want to of be of course it's hard suck it the world is not very kind but it's what it hard. also is is you know part of it is just like being really honest about like what type of artist you are (laughs) and like I just think for a long time I wasn't like I just wasn't honest with myself like I I wanted the way in which I worked to be convenient to my fiscal appetites like I wanted to be Mm. turn it off and on I wanted to be able to write when I had time not necessarily when I had seven straight days off um but the reality was is like that I couldn't command the muses to sing. I couldn't change some of my bad writing habits. Um, <clears throat> and part of being um, in an office every day was distancing myself from some of the hungers that like kept writing really, vi- really vital for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And, you know, and part of that was because I was getting paid a little bit better and <laughs> the Apple one cut yeah. wasn't getting deducted from the paycheck anymore. And, yeah. Um, um, that is such a joke. By the way, speaking uh, of which, you guys know about the, the Apple one double dip, right? Uh-uh. Yeah, if the, the company hires you, like they well, have that, oh, that's, that, no, no, that's the that's the triple dip. Triple dip. <laughs> that's a triple the dip. double dip is that let's say a given company is, hires a temp from Apple One, and and Apple One is taking whatever twenty five percent out of your paycheck, whatever your total paycheck is, that company is also paying Apple One that directly. No, I if know make, that. Yeah, if you make twenty bucks an hour, that company's paying forty bucks an hour. Yeah, and then Apple One is taking that their twenty plus a percentage of your twenty. Yeah, that's the that, double dip. But I thought that that was illegal now. Like I don't know. I'm not going to get. It was probably that illegal argument. then. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like. Yeah, that's one of the other fascinating things about adulting is just seeing how tall the shell game really reaches. It's like, um, uh, so how long did you go at this office job? Before eleven months. You re- eleven you- months. Yeah, okay. I, I just shy of a year. Like, which again was one of those other like psychological litmus test for me. Cause like, you know, I had said like, I'm going to give it a year. And then that became Mm -hmm. like a thing in my head and imagination. Like, um, could I make it a year? The answer ended up being yes, easily. The time went really fast, kind of eerily quickly. Um, um, and, uh, I also had asked myself whether or not I could warm up to the actual work. Like, could I, like warm up to the actual like just what you're literally doing every day and the answer was nope like I couldn't do it and I didn't think that would matter like having come from PAing like like I just didn't think it like because PAing it's like I'm picking up dog food and then driving stuff to a parking lot and then dropping it off like what work could possibly be less interesting than this that would still be too uninteresting couldn't imagine anything and proves out just sitting at a desk um for yeah. me was that thing like and <clears throat> for 12 months for you know 11 months like instead of being like oh you're deeply uncomfortable and you're coming home with anxiety every day that you can't quite put a name on i was like this should be easy i should be grateful so i shall endure <laughs> and um i wish i hadn't honestly like you know 11 even now you you look back and you're like that was just something you should that not was have enough done. I, you know, that 11 months honestly could have been one month and taught me the same set of lessons. It took me 11. Okay. Um, I'm glad it took me three years. So, you know, Um, it took me seven, except again, I wrote an entire novel while I was there at my desk. And they let me on, like, if you, they let me audition. Yeah. And they let me audition in like, you know, I had a whole different bag. Like I stopped being creative. And the other, yeah, I, I mean, I literally just like, I would come home and just be like the idea of turning on the computer and writing something like how ridiculous you've been looking oh at my gosh, not me. I would come home and be planning a night shoot. And then I would go gorilla night shoot and then go to bed at four in the morning, we get up at seven. the same person in a swift instant here. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would get up and go to work and be at work at eight. I'd get up at seven 30 and go to work at eight. And my voice would be down here and they'd be like, you oh, should wow. know, Jamie, what's happening? I was like, well, I was up until like three on a shoot um or I'd be performing at second city or you know like there was just I was so tired and I had so much anxiousness in a different way because these people saw me and it wasn't happening to the point where I could like um uh financially 
actually support myself as an artist. So I just kept showing up at the same office, doing the same job, getting small promotions and going, this is the rest of my life. And I decided like, I could not live like that. Like either I've got to go all in full time and, or like decide to go all in full time at the office job, just like you, like, I'm going to have to, you know, go up for a director position and like actually make this the thing. Otherwise, what's the point? What am I going to do? Be middle management and a non-paid actor the rest of my life? Like, it is a big thing. It's like, people might not get it, but it's a huge thing. Like you get to this, it took me seven years. It took you 11 months. It took you three years, but like you do get to that. And this is, this is where we're all lucky slash unlucky in different ways, right? Like you had people who are allowing you to create while you were there. You had people who were quietly incentivizing and encouraging you to continue in creative pursuits. And like that allowed you to A, keep being an artist and B. But it was a crutch too. Absolutely. It's never going to be perfect. It's um, never perfect. But like, <clears throat> you know, I, my role models, like at this particular firm for 11 years, were all months. months. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kathy pulled, but they were all like men who had like so firmly and decidedly lost their joy. <laughs> like, yes. Like, you know, I like know there that. was. Like I didn't see, I didn't run across anybody who had climbed that ladder and was like, this is awesome. And now I'm finally doing all the filmmaking and artistic stuff that I always wanted to do. And I have, that was not the guy I was meeting. I was meeting the guy who was bitter and resentful. And I'm like, like, I gave my life to this company and now I'm on divorce number two. And what do I have to show for it? And I'm like, oh crap, I got to get out now. Like it was so obvious um that like unhappiness was a potential destination like there I I literally worked in the divorce industry oh my god and And the minute you got divorced is the day you quit there not the day I quit but that's when I put the wheels in motion and it took me almost a year to fully extricate myself but but once I was getting divorced I'm like no this is this is ruining my life I I am so glad that once you finally got out of that, that you were able to find yourself another another day job because you didn't need a day job, but one where you could be creative. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, and, you know, I think that, I, I imagine I've maybe even read some of the copy that, that you wrote in your next job because um, Joshua's <laughs> next position was writing copy for Playboy home video DVD cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that was a weird one. Um, How'd that come about? That actually grew out of the shitty office job. Yeah. What? <laughs> um, From the shitty office job? Yeah. Well, it was a PR firm. And Ooh, of course. Um, it, was, it was a public relation firm. Playboy Home Video was their biggest client. Um, and okay. You I got poached. Up, I got poached. I got poached. Um, when I left the, the office managing job, and went back now to photo producing. Like, screw this, I'm gonna go photo produce, I'm gonna photo produce full time on my way out the door. A different division of the PR firm tapped me on the shoulder and was like, hey, you know how to write? Why don't you just like write copy um, <clears throat> for the back of Playboy Home Video Boxes? It pays really well and you can do it from anywhere. Like you don't have to keep showing up here. Um, <clears throat> and, That's great. Uh, I thought so. Um, but <laughs> like, that was another one yeah. that that didn't last. That one lasted probably six or seven months. Um, 
And honestly, it was just, it wasn't because of the amount of time that I spent writing. It was because of the amount of time that I spent not writing and mm. agonizing over a way yeah. to say, like, these girls are wet, wild, and whatever, a different way. Like, how do mm. I say um, that the 400 different way of this week, I don't, and it, like, it was- I had like, a job like this too. Yeah. It was like a riddle that paralyzed me. Your yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> did yeah. you did you have to watch each video to know what you were writing about? Well, you. I mean, as a good employee, I should have. Sure. Yes, and I really should have. And at the beginning, as a good employee, I promise you, I did. But um, <laughs> after a while, you do get wise to the fact that the content doesn't vary a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> from video cassette to video cassette or DVD to DVD, and it's not really necessary. Um, the title yeah. does really tell you most of what you need to know uh, to write a paragraph. Um, but yeah, yeah, for a very very brief period of time, my bookshelves were filled with um, Playboy home video DVD so content, funny. which does not send a very good message to anybody who's coming over. Um, sure, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's for work. It's oh yeah, no, it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I work I, on the jacket. Wait, I mean, that's not I, what I meant. I was writing paragraphs, like four or five sentences for radio. Uh, you know, I have to read all the um, trashy periodicals every day online. And like, you know, they have a list of like, my name would be like, Jamie, um, you're doing country cover, you know, Carrie Underwood. And I would do it and I would turn it in and she'd be like, this writing is too good. I'm going to need you to stop writing well. And she'd mm -hmm. kick it back to me. She was so nice, but she'd kick it back to me. And the job ended up being 12 hours to 16 hours. I was only getting paid for an eight hour day. And I was too exhausted to then work on the books. I was like, I can't do this anymore. But it's those jobs, like people don't, like people are always telling me like, you should be, you should do copywriting. I do copywriting or listicles and you can get a hundred bucks. And so I've done that. I don't care for that. That is a whole, that is not writing. That is a whole other skill set that I don't possess. And don't agree. And the people that, and the people that are good at it, like God bless them. Cause God like, bless like, them. I, I, oh my I, God, it, it is. It is a talent and it is a talent to maintain your hundred percent foot on the accelerator for like, you know, like, yes. okay, eight hours. I will just be for eight hours. Yeah. Like that is, that is, I don't have that. No, I, I am <laughs> the same. And, you know, I did it for a while and I talked about it while I was in MFA school, you know, because everyone's always like, well, what do you do for a living? And I was like, oh, I don't want to say because I'm terrible at it, but, um, it is a skill set, and I am so grateful for the people that can be content and copywriters, content writers and copywriters. Like that is a huge thing. You can make a lot of money. You can pay all your bills and be comfortable, yeah. and work on other things. Except if you're like me, who takes 16 hours and gets paid pennies, basically. Like that was, you know, when I factored it in, I think I was making two dollars and twenty one cents an oh, a day, I, an I'm hour. Okay, we're back. Yeah. Same person. Okay, great. Um, same, you know, the same. Like it, it, it is a universe that rewards and prizes only speed. That's it. I am really glad. I really am. This sounds really snarky, but like I'm glad we're not all ideally suited for the exact same terrible jobs. Like 100%. I'm, I'm glad that there's that some of that 
you know, like, oh my God, I, my skill set led me to my crappy jobs and I was uniquely good at them. Um, yeah. And when people say, hey, I've got some copywriting jobs and I need some writers, are you interested? I'm like, no, but here's a list of five absolutely. people I know would be great mm-hmm. at this. Please call them, you know, like, boom. Joshua. Yeah. Yes. When you were doing this, when you were writing these, these DVD uh, jackets, first of all, were you, was this freelance? Did you do this at home or did you have to go into an office? It was both, but it was mostly okay. at home. It was mostly freelance. It was mostly remote. Somebody shows up with a, with a, with a box of, of discs and drops them at your front door, hopefully Literally discreetly not labeled. <laughs> not at all, but yes. Okay. Um, and, and basically says we need um, however many um, and of whatever length they need for each title. So sometimes it would be, you know, a title would need three different um, blurbs. Like we need a two sentence, we need a four sentence, we need an eight sentence. Um, and we want them all to sound different. And that was the part that would fry my brain. Um, Cause I'm like, I, they're gonna all sound the same. <laughs> That's but when they say different, they don't actually mean different. They just mean you, you know, get a thesaurus, reformulate. They mean don't the use the same fucking words. That's exactly what they mean. Um, you overthink it, and you over freaking. It's actually it. harder than you think. Even it with is. the thesaurus of your command, it was. If you're a perfectionist and deeply anal retentive, this is <laughs> a wormhole nightmare. <laughs> grenade for, for for the brain like because like you know i like what i what i've noticed like when i'm creative writing like i remember what i write i have a really high retention for what i write like i can remember a page that i wrote yesterday and this yeah. stuff would disappear from my brain the second i typed it like i yeah. could not retain it Thanks. so so much so that like i would turn in stuff thinking that it was brand new and I would get called out being like, you plagiarized one you wrote three weeks ago. It's like word for word the same. I'd be like, it, it is? Like, that seems impossible. I didn't even look at it. And you know, I, I'd pull it up and be like, sure enough, I labored for 12 straight hours thinking I was typing an entirely unique Playboy description and managed to arrive at the exact same description <laughs> that I wrote three weeks ago, not knowing it. This is not good for my brain. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, it reminds me a lot of like the, the new, the AI writer. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, and I imagine those are probably all they need now. I oh, probably, I, 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 I sadly so. I mean, like. I, I would say of all of the things that AI, it would be okay for AI to replace, writing the DVD jackets yeah. for Playboy home videos. Yeah. Is, Softcore that's porn can lose their copywriters. I don't a- because I've got like seniors in college that I'm teaching that would love that job when they got out here. Teach enough. them how to write AI. Okay, but here's the other thing. People think that AI is like all of a sudden stealing stuff. But as writers, we know that for years now, over a decade, they've had these generators for like titles you oh know, yeah like title generators that's ai you know they have all this has existed for a lengthy period of time oh. so people screaming at people for doing the like oh the thing, i don't i don't have I'm any like that, listen that, that bile i just will say i the the ease with which the written content can be generated is spooky it's hard not it to is. find it spooky um you know the fact that like there's like 
places you can go and like, hey, I want to write a blog, dear AI. Um, I did some stuff today. Now write the article for me. And that can happen that we live in that place where, um, you know, that is, is, is spooky. I don't, I don't think that it is going to replace writers. I think that's like an absurd, like, and I think that that kind of reactionary thinking, like every time there's a technological leap forward, it's like, oh my God, there's still cameras. That's going to ruin painting. There's no more painting anymore. And on and on and on and on. But it does make writers compete for bandwidth and space in an environment that I don't think is necessarily fair. Do I think that like there's already a lot of words out there? Um, Do I think that having computers on on auto drive pumping the internet full of additional words is the best thing um, for a literate public? No, I I would personally prefer all of those words to be written by people because for me, it has a, it just has a higher psychological value to me. Um, but that's, I don't, I don't think writing's going to go anywhere. Um, well, let's talk about that for a second. So you are terrible at writing copy content for Playboy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Glad that we got that established. How did we get out of there and into the writing that you are brilliant at and teaching? Um, persistence honestly (laughs) I know that's great I I I mean this whole time I like to think um like I came out of like I came out of film school with like a couple of really bad lenses on the business that I had to unlearn and that took me a really long time to unlearn um and the the biggest one was that the 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 key to the business and that the key to the success as a writer or director or anything was representation. And I I had just sort of like wholly gotten into this idea that like the whole game was getting somebody to give a shit about my career more than I give a shit about my own career. Like now it's your job <laughs> to like, um, and so- um, It's a hard lesson to learn. Oh, and it took so long, so long, Jamie, to learn. Um, but what it meant is, is that for the longest time in my head, I got out of film school with a directing degree. And what it meant was, is that I had earned the the, the opportunity to direct. It was just a question of somebody recognizing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> what I didn't realize is that um, I wasn't particularly good yet and had to get a lot better. Mm-hmm. And so it was over the course of you know all of these running jobs and 11 months that like I just wrote probably 25 screenplays um and um every single one of them was like the most important screenplay of my life and was sure to be the ticket out of that world but what they ultimately really were was practice they were just they were me sucking in a space that was safe without a lot of eyes on my suckiness um and I got better and I got better and I got better and I got better. Um, and, you know, what I started to learn over getting better was that my my perception that like, oh, an agent or manager is going to give a bigger crap about my career than I will was so wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, what it started to for me to mean was that like I was willing to work um, on creative projects and in collaboration with other people, but for free. Um, you know, like, it's like, oh, I'm working in these other spaces, so I'm not going to get hired as a writer. That's becoming very clear. <laughs> like, that's not happening. 
what I can offer myself or what I can offer the marketplace then is the skills that I'm acquiring for free. Um, and so that's how I started going out is I just started being like, oh, you have a really great story idea. I'd write it. And they're like, uh, what do you want? It's like nothing. <laughs> like I want nothing. Right. And um, I want to cut my teeth. I want to cut my teeth. I want to work for you for nothing. Um, and, and that still sometimes happens today with, you know, absolutely. the prospect of finances of, of it. Like I'm working, Jason and I are working on something right now absolutely. for someone. And it's like, it's huge. That's Most still happens. of the time, the reality is, and this is the hardest thing in the universe to explain to students, but like in the, in the wilds, like most careers get started from somebody saying yes to a free opportunity. That was my first opportunity with somebody being like, we like, hey, we want to write, like, will you write this like really bu low budget, like horror film, um, with like no money and we need it in two weeks. And me being like, sure. <laughs> yeah. what the hell? And, you know, it was having written the 15 features prior to that, that I was confident were brilliant, but that have never to date, seen the light of day or had any readership at all, that ultimately- oh, we'll read them. We'll read them. Please don't. Um, <laughs> that, that ultimately- I'm still stuck on me... the DVD jackets. I still have files somewhere. But where did teaching fall into this? When did you decide that teaching um, was going to be another part of your- And listen, I... it's you're teaching MFA students. So it's sort of like a privilege. Like when you get to that level where you can teach- professionals and adults or college students to me anyway it's a privilege. I agree I agree it's, it's not it's not a day job it's part of what you want to do yeah I agree um I was lucky you know in in how I I I I have no shame in saying that like I a friend of a friend knew somebody who was starting a writing program um and they were going to offer one screenwriting class and they were going to basically pay no money for it. Um, like literally it was like- That sounds right. That sounds like it an was like the, position. It was like, like, you will pay us ultimately for the opportunity to come teach this class. And again, it was just like one of those unique moments in time where I was like, what the heck? You know, it's like, I, I've always wanted to kind of see, I've always been preternaturally shy and and- I, I kind of, at the time, rationalized it being like, I don't want to teach, but I want to get better at public speaking. And this is how I'm going to do mm. it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to flex this muscle in this form. But that program was UC Riverside School Residency. At the time it had eight students and no screenwriting component. And I was literally just giving a lecture every six months on like screenwriting fundamentals. And then that program grew and I continued to say yes to every opportunity to like grow with it and discovered that like, unlike the temp jobs <laughs> and the writing copy, um, the teaching was not necessarily as financially rewarding as I had ever hoped it would be, but like it was super rewarding in this other system of ways that like I wasn't really getting fed um, in, in my writing and creative life wasn't like like there was always that sense that like the small bit of envy <laughs> for like, like the friends that I knew who like were doing something important with a capital I. It was self-growth and it, 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 but it would just grew out of somebody being like, will you teach this one class? Um, yeah. and now 15 years later, like I'm teaching at 
Cal Arts and Chapman and UC Riverside. And it's just, it's become a huge part of my life, but that was not, that was not the prediction or the plan. It's just. Yeah. Well, so, thank you, Joshua, for saying yes to us. Yes. Being this was here so today. Fun. I said it at the program when I was like finishing up and I never had the opportunity to have class with you, which is my only regret with the program, but I feel like I got a little bit of you today and that makes me so happy. Thank you for being here, honestly. Huge pleasure. Delighted and honored to be here, truly. She showed on Monday, made love on Tuesday, on Wednesday she was there. We fought on Thursday, made up on Friday, but now I'm losing ground. You call me lazy, you think I'm crazy, so why'd you come around? She wants my money. But I got my money. This ain't no savings and Same as that.